Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. You know, in our, in our culture, um, there's a whole lot of conversation that takes place about how our world came to be. There's a lot of philosophies that you could listen to or that you might would hear about. Um, I'll tell you from the very beginning here today, we are talking about creation. And from the very beginning, I'll also tell you that I believe in an in, in intelligent design creator um, who created all that we have today out of nothing. We're going to talk through Genesis chapter 1 here in just a couple of moments, but I want to begin with putting an article on the screen for you. Um, this is an article that appeared in the New York Times way back in 1978. It was written by Robert Jastrow, who is a NASA, a NASA scientist and author. Here's what he had to say. He says, at this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. Remember, this is back in 1978. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, so not his faith in the Word of God, in God himself, but in his power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peaks. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he's greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. In other words, it's people who went back to God's Word and they believed in God's Word and in what it has to say all along, and science has now caught up with the Word of God. We can hope that that will be the case. We know without a doubt until um, God comes or Jesus comes back one day, we are going to continue arguing this very, very simple, simple fact of creation. Now, what I want to do today is, is start with Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read the account of creation, and um, then we're going to spend some time talking through it. Our kids um, are in our service today for Family Worship Sunday, and kids, I want to invite you to read along with your parents um, in God's Word, or pay attention to the screen, because as we get to each day of creation, there's going to be a number pop-ups. You're going to know what number of creation, what day we're talking about, okay? Genesis chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good. Still on the same day, verse 11, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. 
And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule out the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse from the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the field of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the earth, on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the, all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over, the, um, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the field, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now the first three verses of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, as we work through this idea or the, 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 the account of creation this morning, I want to do so with, with really two things in mind. Um, first of all, what does creation reveal about God? What does creation reveal about God? Secondly, what is God's plan for my life? What is God's plan for my life? Based on creation, what is God's plan for my life? First, what does creation reveal about God? And you can fill in your handout as we go through here. First of all, creation reveals the power of God. It reveals the power of God. Multiple times you've got God said, God said this. In fact, um, verse 3, God said, let there be light. Verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse. Verse 9, God said, let the waters be gathered. And he continues on. There's 10 different accounts there of God saying, God said such and such, and it happened. In response to the voice and the word of God, things happen that there is no physical explanation for. You cannot look at something and say, oh, that's got an explanation that God has just created. It's just God spoke and it appeared out of nothing. Another six times all throughout, excuse me, 16 times all throughout Genesis chapter 1, the, the first three verses of chapter 2, we see God move, we see him speak, we see him act in some way. Um, sometimes it's God created, God blessed, um, God made. One of the greatest takeaways for a Christian 
to take from the story of creation is that God is powerful. That God is powerful. He created everything out of nothing. So when God spoke, waters were parted, plants appeared, birds flew, fish swam, light illuminated darkness, and day is separated from night. Let me ask you something. If you were to speak right now and say, hey, plant, grow right now, (laughs) you're going to look like a fool, aren't you? Because it ain't going to happen. God is powerful. Next, creation reveals the nature of God, the nature of God. And here we see um, all throughout Genesis chapter 1, God creates something, and then what does he do? He declares that it is good. So he creates, and then it is good. He looks at it, it is good. God creates the light, he declares it's good. He separates sea from land, he declares it's good. He creates the plants, the sun, the moon, the stars, and he declares that all of those are good. He creates the fish and the, the animals, the birds, mankind, all of that. He proclaims that it is good. But then when you look at all of it together, when he looked at all of it together, where before with each individual part he said it is good, when he looked at all of it together and how it fit together, what does he say? It is very good. God's individual parts were good by themselves, but when he put all of his plan together, it is very good, he says. And when we talk about the nature of God, we see two things, okay? First of all, we see that God pays attention to detail. God pays attention to detail. That's not a blank in your notes, but you can write that in there. God pays attention to detail. And here's an example for us, okay? Look at the human body. And and I'm going to go back to an article that um, Lee Strobel in his book, The Case for Faith, um, that he quotes here. He says, each cell in your body contains the information for your entire body. DNA are like little microprocessors. DNA strand contains information equivalent to 1,500-page books. The odds of dropping 200 bones, which is about what has to happen to form a single protein, into a, into a correct sequence is 10 to the 380th power, which is a really big number when you consider that the total number of electrons in the universe is 10 to the 130th power. Or... A blindfolded man finding one grain of sand in the Sahara Desert, not just once, but seven times in a row. That's the chances of your body coming together the way that it came together. There's virtually no chance unless there's some kind of all-powerful God who puts it together. And in the nature of God, he looks at it and he says, it is good. So Christian, individual, God looks at you and he says, As your creation, you are, or it is good. This creation is good. God pays attention to detail. Even those smallest details are important to God. Next, under the same idea of God's nature, we see that God is a God of order. That God is a God of order. He doesn't just pay attention to detail. He brings order to chaos. So we we might look at creation and say, man, it looks a little scattered out there. You got a desert over here. You got mountains over here. You got all kinds of stuff going on. But God takes what we might would consider chaos or not like it's, it's right, and he brings order to it. Everything has its rightful place. Everything is created in its rightful time. You know, there's a good chance that at some point in your life, God has brought order to chaos. Right? You didn't understand in the moment what was going on. You didn't understand what um, it was that even you're, maybe you're supposed to do or how to even begin to understand life. 
but God brought order to that chaos. And he doesn't just do that in creation. He does that in all of life. And one day, he's going to ultimately do that for good, bring order to this chaos. So that's God's nature, to make good what is chaotic and broken. Next, creation reveals the glory of God. He reveals the glory of God. There's a book that I've read a couple of times over the years entitled Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And the gist of this book is that the love God has for us is nothing short of crazy. There's a portion in this book where um, Chan talks about the greatness and the glory of God, and he uses God's creation to describe the glory of God. And I'm going to put some pictures up on the screen so that you can have a visual here as we go, okay? First of all, he talks about the caterpillar. Did you know that a caterpillar has... 228 separate and distinct muscles just in its head. Anybody else know that? Because I didn't know that until Francis Chan told me that. 228 distinct and separate muscles just in its head. That's a whole lot for a bug that's that big. What about this one? An elm tree. An elm tree. An elm tree has approximately 6 million leaves on it. Six million leaves grow out on that elm tree. That's insane. Your own heart generates enough pressure as it pumps blood throughout your body that it could squirt blood 30 feet. Hopefully you've never tried that or never seen that actually happen. That's how strong the blood pressure is that, that comes from the heart. And now, b- before we put this next picture up, I want to give you a warning, okay? Some of you don't like spiders. If you don't like spiders, you can look down right now, okay? <laughs> I'm getting a look at death from my spouse. <laughs> spiders, okay? Look at this. Look at this. How many of you right now, when you walk outside, it seems like every time you walk outside, you walk into a spider web? There's the same spider, I'm pretty sure, that creates the same web every single morning. I get it, every single morning. But spiders produce three different kinds of silk. When they build their webs, they create 60 feet of silk in one hour, simultaneously producing special oil on their feet that prevents them from sticking to their own web. Most of us hate spiders, but when you can spin out something four times your body length every single minute, that deserves some respect. The Amazon jungle, I've never been, but I want to go someday. There's 3,000 different species of trees within one square mile. 3,000 different species of trees within one square mile. God didn't have to do that. I think he did it just to show off a little bit. As I think about creation revealing the glory of God, I think about one of my favorite things to do, and that is on a crisp, cool night to walk outside and to simply look up. And if you live in an area in which there's not a lot of light pollution, in which it's really dark, and you look up at the sky on a clear, cool night, what do you see? You see one of the most beautiful pictures that you will ever, ever experience in this world. God did that. Just with, his, just with his mouth, he spoke it into existence. Those billions and billions of stars are there. Why? I believe it's for the glory of God. To be able to paint this picture for all of his creation to look at and say, look at how great our God is. 
You know, it might not be stars. It might be the birth of a baby. It could be something like the Grand Canyon or mountains of some kind. But whatever it is, when you experience the splendor of that creation, you experience a revelation of the glory of God, and you cannot help. As a Christian, you cannot help but worship him. Think about and praise the greatness of God. So creation reveals to us our God. So then the question comes up, okay, well, if creation reveals our God to us, well, what about, what about us? What does that mean for us? And I, I believe that, that God has a plan for us. And so I ask the question, what is God's plan for my life? Knowing that I'm a part of his creation, knowing that when God created me and, and my body, he said it is good, not you are good because we have that sin nature and we have to come to faith in Jesus Christ to find redemption of our sins. And at that point, God looks at us and says, I see the righteousness of Jesus in you. You are good. But when God created our body, he said, it is good. So what is God's plan for me? The reality is that we're living with second best right now because of that sin nature that we have. But what is it God has designed us for? And there's three things that I want to highlight here, okay? Number one, God has created us to have harmony with him to have harmony with him. We were created to have an intimate and personal relationship with God. We were in Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 a moment ago, but if you jump ahead to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have just sinned, and they hear the sounds of God walking in the garden. And evidently this is something that happened on a regular basis. It's not just a one-time deal where God walks with them in the garden because he wants to catch them in sin or anything like that. It seems like God walked with them often. They had harmony with God. That was a part of God's intention for his relationship with them. And you know what? God still has that desire for harmony with us as his creation. If he didn't, he never would have sent Jesus from heaven to earth to live with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God wants the harmony with us still. The only difference is that now for us to have harmony with God from when Adam and Eve lived in the garden is that it takes us recognizing that God did send his son Jesus to die in our place for our sin. And it takes us repenting of our sin, surrendering our lives to Jesus for us to have a relationship with him. God's original plan for your life is to have harmony with you. Number two, to reflect God in everything. To reflect God in everything. We were made in God's image. That's what we find. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image is the words used there, okay? In his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The animals are not made in the image of God. The plants are not made in the image of God. Mankind is made in the image of God. That means that we possess qualities that God himself has. And some of those shared qualities that we have with God are love and goodness and righteousness and righteousness and, and, excuse me, and, uh, and wisdom. These are all qualities that God possesses that we in turn possess. And we're not perfect in those things the way God is. But these are what is known as communicable attributes of God. He passes them on to us. Now, because we are made in God's image, what are we supposed to to do with that? The answer is that we reflect God in everything. So we act the way he created us to act. We think the way God created us to think. We worship the way he created us to worship him. 
So it matters what we do, and it matters what we say, and it matters what we think. As humans, it matters what language comes out of our mouth. It matters what we choose to watch. It matters the way we choose to use our time. It matters because we are made in the image of God with a purpose of reflecting the purity and the majesty and the holiness and the glory of our God. But then God's original plan was also for us to reproduce God's glory to the ends of the earth. To reproduce God's glory to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 28 in chapter 1. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The image bearers of the creator are to take that image of the creator and spread it all over the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. If you, um, if you continue reading in the book of Genesis, you're going to get to the, the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, and when you get there, we, what you're going to find is that the great sin of the people there at the Tower of Babel was very, very simple. It was that they congregated from the different places of the earth to the one place, and then they made themselves God. They tried anyway. They refused to obey God's command to fill the earth. And the Bible literally says that they migrated from other places to the one place to live together. And before you think that it's sheer happenstance that for them to do so, here's what Genesis chapter 11 verse 4 says. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Y'all, that flies in the face of the command that God gives right back there in Genesis chapter 1 that we just read. He created the earth for it to be inhabited by people, and so they, as his image bearers, could reproduce his glory wherever they go. So whether you're going to France, or whether you're going to, like the Drakes, to Togo, West Africa, or any other missionary, or whether you go home, or wherever you go, as Christians, we are to be image bearers of our creator and reproduce his glory and his greatness wherever we do go. So people who don't know Jesus, who don't know the real story about creation, so they can get a picture of what that looks like. Not so they can see us and we can elevate ourselves, but so that we can point to our great God and say, no, our God did this. Not only did he create us, he made a way for us to be saved. So here's the overarching question that I want to ask you this morning. As we've seen the, the, the power, the nature, the glory of God, um, we know that we're created to live in harmony with God, to reflect him in everything, to reproduce his glory to the ends of the earth. So the question is, just very simply, are you doing it? Are you living the way that God has created you to live? There's only two options. One, you, you do reproduce God's glory to the ends of the earth, but the other option is that you worship the creation rather than the creator. This question I'll put on the screen for you can be boiled down in this way. Are you living for the glory of the creation, so you, or the glory of the creator, God? Who are you lifting up? You or our great God? It can't be both. It cannot be both. So that's just a simple question for you to ask yourself today based on the creation account that we've talked through. Father, would you help us 
to live for the glory of the Creator and to not lift ourselves up. Father, would you help us to know what it looks like to honor you in all that we do? Father, you're so great. But Father, the way that you created the smallest little detail. Father, it tells me a couple of things. First of all, it tells me that you love me. It tells me that you ultimately are a great God whose glory is immeasurable. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you use your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.